Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Well, welcome everyone to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller, and I'm so glad that you're listening in today. As you know, we've had several interviews these past few weeks, and I'm super excited to bring to you tonight my buddy, Robbie Leaf. Robbie is an evangelist of the Cherokee, and let me say this right, is it Muskogee? Yes. Muskogee. Creek Native American heritage. He's called to America, First Nation tribes, and all the nations of the world to preach the gospel and to see reconciliation, unity among First Nation tribes, races, and nations. Amen. Robbie, welcome to Revival Cry. Thank you, Eric. It's, it's a, man, it's always an honor and pleasure to be here and to see you again and reconnect with you and I'm happy to be here, man. Absolutely, bro. You know, Robbie and I just saw each other uh, last week at the Light the Fire Again conference in Pensacola, Florida, uh, led by Daniel Kalenda and the Christ for All Nations ministry. And it was awesome to have so many different godly men and women and worship leaders. And it was just powerful. But one of the things that I love was just being able to see people we haven't seen, some for like 20 years. And yet I've watched Robbie online, you know, on Facebook and just seen how God's been using him. So, Robbie, what what'd you think about the conference, man? Man, um, I was there three years ago. Um, this was right before Daniel announced the boot camp. I, I was on the mission field in South Dakota at the time. So I just felt like I was supposed to be there. And it, it was just like three years ago was so impactful in this 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 last week man it was impactful in such a different way just with the the godly connection seeing so many people touched and just changed man and especially praying for the people being on the prayer team and praying for people and oh, yeah. especially especially with the young people man i want to see the young people on fire so it was just a precious to me just to pray for so many young people that are catching that fire and they're the next generation. So Come on. I'm still a week later trying to understand and trying to just comprehend, man, just one thing after another just happened. So I'm still in a, like, I'm still in that, that thing. Like, wow, what happened last week, man? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. God's stirring folks up, reminding us of some of our heritage in the Lord and what he's done in our lives. Let me ask you, Robbie, how old are you now? It's funny that, uh, a lot of people don't believe me, but I am 49 years old now. Are you 49? So we're the. Yeah. I'll be 49 in October 30th. So you're my elder brother, man. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's a blessing that people say, you don't look your age, man. You look like you're in your late 20s or your early 30s at least, man. So it's a blessing, you know. You know, I ask you that too, because how old was it when you first came to the Brownsville Revival? It was, I was 24 years old. I remember meeting you. We went 
through the Bronzeville Revival School of Ministry. We connected at the revival services. You know, we didn't get to spend a lot of time together, but you were one of those guys that I just always remembered, stood out. There was a revival fire tape at first, you know, we're given our years here. And now it's, you know, it's on YouTube and it's a bunch of like stories and testimonies from the Brownsville revival. And you got water baptized there. Can you kind of walk us through that moment for you and what that was like? You know, it's amazing that there's still people to this day that tell me about the testimony, the Ronald Hart tape, especially the baptism, because it was amazing. So with the baptism, that was my third trip to Brownsville. Um, God was doing mighty things in different ways in those third, first three trips alone. But on that trip, I would find myself out in the crowd, you know, waiting, waiting to get in line, getting into the revival. And I would be man, like God, the Holy Spirit was just moving on me. And I'm, I'm like shaking. I, I'm like trying to stop shaking. And, yeah. and then I'm weeping and intercession and travail out in the crowd. And, and then, so the day that I was getting baptized out in the crowd, I was like, what's happening to me? I was yeah. shaking, you know? And um, so I really felt like I was supposed to get baptized. And um, so I show up in the office. I, I was telling whoever it was, the uh, person at the desk, like, um, I think I want to get baptized. So like, you got to fill this out. And then I remember Pastor Gary Darry says, Mad Dog, how you doing, man? Yeah, get him back. Yeah, get him baptized. Yeah, he, he wants to get baptized. Go for it, you know? So he pretty much helped help me get the process going. So that night, it was incredible, man. Just shaking. I was like, what, what's happened to me, man? The Holy Spirit was just doing such a mighty work in my life. And then I stopped. Like I was like, for that time when we we're preparing for baptism, I finally kind of calmed down, but the other guys backstage were really nervous about yeah. what they're going to say and everything, but I was all calm and ready to go. <laughs> so the guy said, you look really calm, brother. Can you pray for us? So can you pray for calmness and peace over us? Just uh, we're really nervous. So like, sure. You know, so prayed for them and spoke peace and just his clarity over every baptism. And so... So I'm get I'm walk I'm walking to the baptism that little baptismal trough on the back. So Charity's mom, I met her. I said, "Hi, I'm Charity's mom, and I'm um, I'm doing okay, like no shaking or anything." Until there's something about that water, man. I don't know what it is <laughs> that once I stuck my foot in that in the water, I mean the Holy Ghost just it was just took over, man. And and I tell people like that people tell me like what happened, man, when they saw the video. I tell him, I don't know. Just like all I know is that I talked to Charity's mom, and I, when I stuck my foot in that in that um, baptismal trough, I don't remember what I said. I don't know yeah. what happened. All I know is I remember waking up in the back, and just you know where they where they carry the people, and like what happened to me, man. And um, <laughs> so you fell like, out, yeah, in the, in the out, baptismal, man. and they carried yeah. you out. Yep. Wow. Yep. Isn't that wild? You know what's what's wild is you know when we read about Jesus' baptism, we see three things happen. We see the heavens were opened over him, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and lightened upon him, and then the Father declared over him, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I love, and whom I'm well pleased." Listen to him. You know, I I really believe that people get water baptized. Sometimes we don't understand the significance. But there's things that God does in us and through us 
that are just so powerful to separate us to himself. I don't think either one of us believe that you got to be water baptized to be saved, but water baptism is so essential for people to, you know, get free, to walk in deliverance. You know, Israel went through the water. They went through the Red Sea as a type of baptism. Man, that's so powerful. You know, a minute ago, you just mentioned the name Mad Dog. What does that name bring up for our listeners who may not know you by that name? Before I got saved, I'm definitely not, wasn't the person I am now. Like I had, I came to be really hard, very unemotional, very hateful, just so full of pain and darkness that um, I had no filters. Um, I had a short fuse. And if you even looked at me wrong, I'd start something with you and, and threaten you. So, but the funny thing is, Steve Hill used to say, Mad Dog, that's his Native American name. It wasn't my Native American name. Um, <laughs> somebody at UPS, I worked at UPS when, before I got saved. And um, so I had that attitude at UPS, working at UPS. So my supervisor jokingly called me Mad Dog because I had such a short fuse and a, wow. and a mean temper. And so I tell all my my hoodlum friends like hey they call me mad dog at ups so it stuck with them they laugh yeah at, yeah it's appropriate man so <laughs> mad dog is stuck you know <laughs> and so what was your what or what is i should say is your native american name my grandma had she gave us all native american names before she passed away but unfortunately um she did it the christmas before she she passed and i wasn't there on our family gathering so I don't, I don't actually know my native name, but she had one for me. So the sad part is that I never found out my native name before she passed, but she did have one for me. Interesting. Now, when mm. you came to Brownsville, were you already born again or did you get saved there? Well, actually I was saved, but I was, I was saved less than two years. Gotcha. So I was still, still very rough around the edges. Yeah. I didn't know what holiness was. My, I had amazing pastor in church but they didn't preach repentance or holiness or anything like that so i would wow. say brownsville was was that first trip to brownsville i knew what true repentance and holiness the holiness message and purity and all that stuff that was the first time i really had an encounter with that and so you heard that from steve hill preaching mm -hmm. and yep. what what type of impact did steve have upon your life i'm gonna try not to be emotional about it because he Everybody knows him as the evangelist of the Browns Revival. Steve was my friend. He was my spiritual father. Yeah. He was my mentor. And I miss him every day. But the lessons that he gave me at Brownsville and afterwards, what I loved about Steve, he didn't beat around the bush. It's like yeah. he tell it the way it is. But the thing is that anytime he was corrective towards me or told me bluntly and, and just straight up, this is what you're going to face, man. You're not going to be at revival your whole life. You're going to be in places and reservations that it's going to be you, Jesus, and the devil. So wow. what are you going to do? You're not going to go in the name of the Browns Revival School of Ministry or your name or anybody else's name, but Jesus. So what are you going to do? He would do that as a loving father and just tell me straight up that you will have spells. There will be times when you will be persecuted, you'll be tested. Every time he ever gave me lessons and, and, and just advice, I knew it was from my father's heart wow. and from a friend's heart. And um, I've learned to take his advice. And um, I just know that one of the biggest lessons he told me is like, Robbie, put you and Jesus in the circle. Don't mm -hmm. let anyone 
or anybody else in that circle. Don't in any circumstance get in that circle every single day for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's you and Jesus in that circle. You're going to be okay no matter what happens. Man, that's, that's so one of, powerful. That's one of the biggest lessons. He, he taught me a lot of things, but just the, just the fact that him and Jerry Hill believed in me, man, even when I was struggling for a little bit after the Browns revival, that's what touched me the most, that he and Jerry believed in me steadfastly. Yeah. Even when family, even people said, you know, you're screwing up and like, uh, what are you going to do now? And like, uh, some Christian you are. Steve and Jerry wow. never wavered. They always believed in me. I love it, bro. I really do. And I and I know that they mean so much to you. I love it because, you know, a lot of people think, you know, was that revival really real? There's emotionalism. There was, you know, people backsliding after and all kinds of stuff. But you know as well as I do, bro, that there were so many people who are set on fire who surrendered everything to Jesus, you know, like you were saying before, Mad Dog died back at the Brownsville Revival, yes. you know, and, and then those baptismal waters. And now, man of God, evangelist, Robbie is who you are now, a son of the Most High God. And, and it's so yes. awesome, dude, to see us over 20 years later, Still pursuing Jesus. The fire keeps burning. Steve's in heaven. I, I know like you that, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look at Steve and I'm going to say, we went for it, bro. You know That's what right, I'm saying? Man. We're going to go That's for right. it, dude. We're not wavering. Tell us what God has been doing with you, man. You got saved after the revival. Now I know that you went through the boot camp at Christ for All Nations, the evangelist mm -hmm. yeah. boot camp. What has God been doing with you, bro? Um, before the boot camp, I was in, on South Dakota at the Yankton Sioux Reservation, and it's in um, eastern South Dakota. I was there for a year. I worked at emergency medical service, and God used that as a springboard for evangelism. And um, But here in Tulsa, I'm here in Tulsa. Oh, uh, dude, I do evangelism all the time, whether Come it's one-on-one on -one or I'm collaborating with many other evangelists and other ministries here in Tulsa. We're working together here in Tulsa to see Tulsa saved for Jesus. And um, I go on reservations. I just got back from Pine Ridge. Now it's been three months. We saw 57 people got saved. And, Come on, man. And, and that's, that's don't take that lightly because the Pine Ridge Reservation is easily one of the roughest and most hardest uh, reservations in North America to reach people for the gospel. And yeah. then God even moves there and touched some lives. And, and um, so... He's, he's been taking me different places to Montana on some of the reservations, the wow. Pine Ridge. Um, we're getting ready to continue onward and working together with other First Nations people that we're going to do this. Our goal is to hit every reservation in North America. I love it, man. You know, and for our folks, we'll mention this at the end again, but Robbie has a website. It's called www tribalfireministries.com if you want to find out more about how to support Robbie in prayer how to get underneath him hold up his arms he needs yes. support he needs yes. people to help not only help provide financially but support projects and outreaches and things that he does he needs plane tickets he God's called him to the nation so I want to encourage our folks man get behind Robbie this guy I've known about for over 
over 20 years now, and he's still faithfully serving Jesus. So this is good soil to sow into for sure. You know, Robbie, I know with CFAN, didn't you go to Africa? Oh, yes. Okay. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. That was two years ago this time um, after we graduated boot camp. And you know how COVID was. So we finally got, got a clearance to go to Tanzania right after COVID where we didn't have to take vaccinations or anything. So two years ago, that was our initiation trip. How can I say it, man? We were there for three weeks. Um, we did. So we did one-on-one marketplace evangelism, right? Right. Just one-on-one. We did schools. We, we broke into teams of seven or eight. Yeah. And every team did one week of one-on-one marketplace evangelism, one week of school crusades, eight to 11 schools a day for a week. And then, and then we did a week of a uh, gospel truck evangelism. So they got CFAN has some gospel trucks in Africa where they're set up to drive. They have the speaker system, the, yeah. the PA system, everything and music, everything. And they take it to the road to these, these places and stuff. So we did that for a week. We did kind of like Reinhard Bonnke, like crusades in the marketplaces, amazing. And the villages and stuff. So we saw, I've not been the same since I've seen, I saw miracles. I saw people, I saw the blind seeing, the, wow. the deaf hearing. I saw, I laid hands on Come a few on. people that had tumors and had yeah. growth on, on our shoulders or their arms. And I felt them shrink. The Come on, bro. I saw people that never knew what the Holy Ghost was. You know, in here in America, we kind of have courtesy falls. <laughs> they don't know. Tanzania, they don't know those. So we had people like that were like, tell me about Jesus. And, like, and then we'd pray for them. And they get hit by the power of God. And all of a sudden, the miracles, the healings, the people getting hit by the power of God, all of a sudden, we'd have a crowd. They're like, wow. what happened? And it's like, yeah. I'll tell you what happened. This man has been touched by... Come on. By the living God. This man has been touched by Jesus Christ. And then we would just, hey, do you want to know where Jesus Christ, the one who who, who, who shed his blood and died? For yeah. And so yeah, so people would just be open, man. There were just thousands of people got saved. I mean, so it ended up being a, a hundred and sixty-six thousand people for I think it was 21, 22 evangelists. Wow. Um, those three weeks. We ended up leading 166 plus thousand people to jesus in those three weeks and that's camp. incredible when we were at the uh light the fire again conference just the second time i heard daniel talk about a decade of double harvest while he's taken on that responsibility of reinhard Bonke and actually has been leading the ministry for quite a number of years and doing most of the preaching on their big you know crusades in africa and other parts of the world God really spoke to Daniel and the leadership team there about creating a boot camp to raise up evangelists, to multiply their efforts. So you went through that boot camp. You know, there's probably people listening today that, man, I feel called to evangelism. I want to go preach the gospel. What about the boot camp? Can you encourage them with that they could go get some training themselves? If you are truly called to the nations, if you're truly called to evangelists, there's people that, that you know how it's how how we sing I surrender all. Well, yeah. um, if you're called as an evangelist, if you're called to full time ministry, if you're called to lay down your life for Christ, that is the place to go because they will you you're gonna be trained by the best. And it's not when you go to Orlando and tr- be trained at a boot camp. Don't take it as a vacation. Take it as a boot camp. Come on, they will they will stretch you in places you need to be stretched. You will you they will. 
that will get out every bit of timidity, every bit of like fear, every bit of flesh. They will they will test you and try you to wow. see if you're if you're ready. And also physically, they will. Uh, dude, the first week weekend we were there, we, we were get we had to get up at five a.m. There's a soccer field by the sea fan. They said, "Okay, you run up." I think it was one. He, this guy was training cross train fitness. He said, "Run, run around that that circle field three times." So for a whole hour, it was like boot camp. He run us. We do sprints. We do burpees. We do do um for a whole hour. And we're we're talking about elderly people. We're talking about people that were out of shape and overweight. Yeah, it didn't matter. It's like they were trying to do a baseline to say if you were ready. If they took you to Africa, um, by the end of the end of the boot camp that you were going to be physically ready that you're wow. not going to like pass out or die in Africa or Middle East or whatever. They, they're really serious about you not being just spiritually and mentally and emotionally fit, also physically fit. They will stretch you in ways that you, that we need to be stretched. And I tell you what, I am so grateful that I went through the boot camp. Yeah, it was tough. Um, you get grilled, you get, tested on different things about preaching and about doing crusades and critiqued, but you do it, they do it out of love. Like they're, they're trying to get the best out. They're trying to raise up what they saw, what they say, Navy SEALs in the Lord, you know, <laughs> Navy SEAL evangelist, anybody, if you're ready to just like, if you've got the fire, you've got the heart to like, I'm going to lay down my life to the Lord. I will go anywhere. He tells me to go. I'll be trained. I will be, the best I can be as an evangelist. This is the place to go. There's nothing yeah. like it. You know, we've been missionaries for 20 years now. And I could tell you, bro, that, that you got to go out on the mission field and it's all or nothing. You can't mm -hmm. go out there and be like, you know, I'm just going to do these good things and then, you know, come back and go on vacation. You know, I remember when Steve, when we were sent out from Brownsville and he prayed over us. He had our team stand up in the middle of the service. And he said, everybody clap for him. They're going to the Philippines, you know, and everybody claps. Yeah. And all excited and stuff. And then everybody sat down and he told us to continue standing. And he said, look at me, look at me up here. He said, listen, we're so proud of you guys, but I want you to realize something. Everybody's going to forget you out of sight, mm. out of mind. And he began to paint a picture that we actually really needed to hear that mm -hmm. when we're going out to serve Jesus, it's not about us. It's not about, you know, what I can do to promote myself and have a big ministry. It's about loving Jesus and making him known. You know, yes, I, I really yes. think that some of this training is, and you could give us a whole lot more information. We just have a few minutes left. I don't want to discourage anybody, but I got to tell it the way it is. You know, Steve yeah. and Daniel, everybody tell it the way it is. But I will tell you this, too. When you become part of CFAN, you're not just um, a number. You are family. They And, it, and it's legitimately, they, they treat you like family if you want to be. If yeah. you want to be tied in, they will. you will be part of an amazing, on fire, loving, humble family for life if you want want mm. c-fan to be and i mean it's a i'm like i said i'm so proud to, yeah. to graduate and been through it and now they're they're part of my family you know you're talking about family the boot camp and everything paint a picture for our folks in this in a minute or two about what it's like to go to the reservations what type of needs are there 
one of the things that kind of bothers when I go on the reservations, bothers some of the people on, on the reservations, when there are mission fields there, it's like people come, they'll come for a week and they'll take a photo op and they'll say bye-bye and that's yeah. it. And a lot of Native people are really hurt and really frustrated with with that. They really need they really need that family kind of thing. Like if if you if you if we come share the gospel with them, but at the same time they need discipleship, they need love. See, young people on the reservations are they the suicide rate, the depression rate, the dropout rate is higher than any other ethnic group in America. Wow. And um the poverty, the alcohol addiction, the drug addiction, fentanyl and meth is are really rampant in a lot of the reservations and as an EMT and an ambulance driver on Yankton Sioux Reservation, I saw it firsthand. Just wow. the devastation, especially suicide. A lot of them, a lot of people on the reservations, they feel like they have no hope. They're just stuck there. There's so much need, but at the same time, just because they're native, because of the past, all these stereotypes in the past, they need love. Yeah. And that's what they're looking for. And whether you're native or non-native, what I'm wanting to see is that they're, they're wanting to see reconciliation. They want to see things in the past like made amends, you know, stuff. But at the same time, I see a big need of not just supplies that's needed yeah. and houses being need to be built. But when people go there, that they exude the love and the glory and the presence and the character of God to people. That will be life-changing. It don't matter if you're native or non-native or any other nationality. They truly just want to see the real deal. Man, that's so good, Robbie. You know, and we were just in uh, Hawaii in April. And, you know, there's all kinds of big ministries there and incredible things that God's doing. But largely the Hawaiian, the native people are grossly overlooked and there's such a need. I'm not saying I fully understand like you do, but I know that we we have to love people and we can't just go, like you said, on a two-week trip, man. We got to lay our lives down for people. If we want them to know Jesus, we've got to be willing to do everything. Listen, yes. folks, I want to encourage you again, get behind Robbie and his ministry. Go to www.tribalfireministries.com dot com and get behind him to support what he does. Robbie, thank you so much for being with us, bro. We love you, man. We're so proud of you, bro. Just help help me and help us reach the people out there, reach people here in America, reach people on the reservations. The, like like the Bible says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Keep us in prayer and just, hey, hook up with me if you want to really, if you're serious about reaching those people with love, reach out to me. Listen, everybody, we love you. Thanks for joining this week. We look forward to being with you next week. God bless. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week. Revival.